0: Darwinism. We are here with, uh, well, Thomas, you want to introduce yourself?
1: Uh, yes, well, I'm uh, Thomas Warren. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Amarillo Pioneer
2: newspaper, and I'm a candidate for Amarillo College Board of Regents. Interesting. So what a so, question, what is the Am- Amarillo College Board of Regents? What Explain that first off, because, like, how does that differ from other, other boards for education in our town? Well, like, the, What do they do? The
1: Amarillo College Board of Regents, their main goal is basically to run the college. That means all the spending and taxing decisions come through the board. And also, uh, s- okay. subcurriculum decisions, things like that. It's mainly just basic functions of the college. Um, okay. And, uh, you know, I think... Uh, I'm sure we all know of uh, Annette Carlisle. I'm sure Darwin does. Uh, <laughs> Who's that? I've I, never. I
2: no. What, what, who is this you speak? <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: she, she uh, is on the board of regents now as well, so maybe I'll be able to work with her this year.
0: Yeah. So explain to me what it is that compelled you, first of all, to get interested in the board of regents, um, and just your the broader perspective, what it is that you're looking to bring in.
1: Well, you know, the Board of Regents, uh, it's it serves such a vital function of the community because there are so many opportunities that Errol College offers. And thousands of people from the area take advantage of those opportunities. You also have people uh, who are overseas who take advantage of the opportunities, people who are in the military, things like that, take online courses through AC. And so AC really has some... Incredible opportunities that really need some strong leadership at the helm. Uh Dr. Russell Lowry Hart, who's the president of Emerald College, I think has done a fantastic job and he's worked well with the Regents. I uh, just do think though that there may be there may be a need for a uh, new voice, a new perspective
2: on the Board of Regents. That's why I'm running. Interesting. And so so you're te- so you're running for office now, but before that and what you currently do is run the Emerald Pioneer. Yes. Uh, where let's talk about that a little bit. What brought you to that? Per, like what? What first you brought brought you to digital newspapers and to start writing and to you know be publishing in our small town? And our small town's the wrong word. Mid sized city. Do we want to describe what Amarillo technically is? Mid sized. I don't know what we, we describe ourselves as. Well, it's about you know it's about two hundred thousand people.
1: So it's I mean it's a pretty yeah. good sized market. Um, yeah. You know, and, and there's actually cities who are smaller than this who they'll have three or four newspapers. And uh, wow! So you know there there needs to be some different types of media in the area, and that's that's one of the absolutely yeah that's one of the big things. Uh, I'll I'll tell you how we actually really did get started uh, back, in, I guess in probably January of 2016. Dad and I, uh, my dad, he's actually run for city council this year too, and he's the publisher of the Emerald Um Oh, cool! He. We had kind of talked about it a little bit we weren't really happy with the direction that the only newspaper in town had been going uh, we just didn't really feel like it represented the i, I don't want to say the values but uh, the the perspectives of umbrella as a whole. Uh, we felt like it really only represented a particular group of people and we mm-hmm. we had looked at it a little bit we had talked about it we really didn't think it was feasible um, and then I guess it'd be in June of 2015 uh, the newspaper here read an article about Sandra McCart, who was running for a city council at the time. Uh, she was vying to mm-hmm. fulfill the unexpired term of Doctor Brian Eads on the city council, and it was it really just came out like a slandered piece. It took Facebook posts of hers from all over. They did the same thing to uh, Councilor Randy Burkett, and they done it to a few other people. Mm. And uh, they had done it a few months previously, not with Facebook posts, but they had. Really kind of slanted a story about uh, Dr. Lowry Hart at real College. We talked about it. Really, just want, We really weren't happy with it, so we just decided to start our own, and uh, it's been pretty successful. I, I'm, I'm
0: curious, when you're you you, you you're talking about the perspective differences between yourself and like the media that exists in Amarillo, can you speak a little bit more about what your perspective is and how it's a change?
1: Well, you know, um, my perspective and also my father's perspective since he's the publisher, you know, we're we're not career journalists, um, and I don't really think we ever even expected to be journalists. We just kind of saw a need. It, you know, we're we're unlikely journalists. And it, it's not... We, we try to point this out to people, but we don't try to be conservative at our writing. We don't try to be liberal at our writing. Uh, it's it's very... We try to make it to where it's very straight down the line and uh, everybody kind of gets their... Uh, shot. You know, I have personal beliefs on that kind of thing, but I try to make sure they don't come through in my writing. And uh, I, I really don't feel like that was something that was being accomplished with the the uh, established newspaper here. And that that's really the big thing we wanted to change. And, you know, we talk about it. Uh, some media stations really give a lot of airtime or press to certain people. Well, I mean, we, we really don't do that. Uh, we we it's a lot of community activists and that kind of thing that we interview. We interview people like uh, a group here called Yellow City Community Outreach which uh, their whole mission is about solving homelessness. We interview people like that but then when we do interview politicians and people like that we interviewed uh, Austin Peterson who was a libertarian who ran for president this year. We also interviewed uh, Justice Deborah Lerman, who is a Republican on the Supreme Court and we interviewed Grady Yarborough who was a Democrat running for uh, railroad commissioner and so we we try to interview everybody try to give everybody their shot and that's really the big thing we try to do that I feel like is a departure from
2: conventional media. And so in, in a small town like Amarillo I mean in a mid city like Amarillo how do you start getting traction? I mean I see you've got you know, over 1,500 Facebook likes, which is actually a decent amount for Facebook, uh, you know, for, for a town our size. I mean, I get the traffic on my news feed, um, and, you know, you've, you've got some traction. You know, how, what's that like in a small town to, to balance having a perspective? Do you have advertisers or do you have subscribers? Talk a little bit about that. Well, we do have some advertisers,
1: and the advertisers mm-hmm. are really the lifeblood of it. That They're the ones who uh, they were able to keep the lights on and that kind of thing. Uh, because subscribers pay nothing, you can read it for free online, and uh, you know that's another departure from uh, traditional media. As we, I mean, we we're free. You know, it's it's uh it's, it's all about the people in our in our uh, perspective. And you know, with with gaining traction, I really didn't find it all that hard to do. And I don't think either of us have really found it all that hard to do when we're trying to uh, run this newspaper because. Uh, people have been really, actually, bracing of a news, news source. Um, immediately after starting, I got a call from uh, Terry Harmon at the Randall County Republican Party here, and he was uh, very excited about it. He invited us to come and speak to them, and so we went and spoke to them. As then right after that, we uh, heard from uh, Dan Ferguson, who's now president of the uh, Yellow City Community Outreach, and he wanted us to come speak to him, and so we did that. We've we've really had a a really large embrace by the community and um you know there are some people who haven't embraced this as much i'm sure you you can probably expect that because you know some people don't really appreciate a change to the status quo uh but you know it's a it's a change that had to happen and uh, the community's been very supportive of it
0: how did the name pioneer originate
1: uh there was a newspaper here in the area uh, near the or about the foundings of the settlements here uh called Tascosa pioneer and um i think that's kind of been some inspiration for some different publications here um i'm not i'm not aware of if taskosa high school has a newspaper um we did when i was
2: there but well, i don't remember what it's, it's called
1: yeah that's that's the thing i'm not sure what their title is so I'm not, i can't say that we take we're the only pioneer here in town it's called uh, but, the Rebel
2: Rouser. That's what it's called. No, it's not called the Rebel <laughs> Rouser. Uh.
1: But we are—we're the Amarillo Pioneer. And we're just paying homage to uh, the history of the area.
2: So, what's your most controversial story you've—you've you've had to publish? What's what's gotten the most pushback? I mean, you're—you're you're diving into news and yeah, people who you live around.
1: Uh, it's actually a recent story we ran, and I'll kind of fill you in on this as best as I can. Um, okay. KAMR Channel Four here in town. They ran a, or they were planning on running a story. Uh, Kelly James, the investigative reporter at KAMR, he's did a story about a, a potential conflict of interest that a city council member had. Uh, Councilman Randy Burkett, and I'm sure you've heard his name. Uh, some people love him, some people hate him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, Mr. Burkett's had a good working relationship with us, and so we've interviewed him for several things. And so uh, we heard they were doing this, and. They'd been running promos for that kind of thing. We actually reached out to Mr. Burkett and we said, "Uh, do you you want to respond? And he sent us a statement. He sent us a letter from the city attorney that uh, he said showed that he was cleared of the conflict of interest. And so we went ahead and we put that in our paper. We gave um, Mr. Kelly James a chance to respond to the story and uh, he didn't call us back. (laughs) So we, we went ahead. We ran it like that. That night I got a call from, uh, Bianca Montez with the Emerald Globe News, she was, said that she talked to KMR and they were saying they didn't get a chance to respond to it. Um, Kelly James, I've heard that he's not really happy with us for running that story. <laughs> and, uh, we've received some controversy over that. We actually made the front page of the other newspaper here in town for running that Oh, a story. nice.
2: That's and beautiful. Then, uh,
1: yeah, that's and beautiful. we were the topic of a discussion on a, uh, drive time radio show here in town and so you know it's uh that made us some news but that was also quite controversial we had a the people were on our side said so we ran the story correctly other people weren't happy that we didn't get a quote from kelly james and we've actually given him more chances to, than just that first time to respond to it but you know um he hasn't responded back to us yet so
2: There's not much we can do about that. So there was no... It wasn't just that he was lazy and didn't return the call that day and you had to run the story because, you know, time. He just honestly isn't responding to a story that you think is at least, if not false, highly, at least refuted, at least somewhat being refuted.
1: Well, you know, uh, Mr. Burke gave us a letter from the former city attorney, Marcus Norris, that basically said he was cleared to do business with the Convention of Visitors Council. And that's where the whole... That's where the whole... um, problem came from, and so that letter's there, it, you know, in my perspective, it seems like it's a clearing, but, you know, Mr. Uh, James had a chance to respond to it, he went out and did some investigation on it, he
2: didn't, so. I mean, so who's, it's the, it's ultimately whose responsibility to enforce that, the city, I mean, uh, in a situation like that, city attorney, I guess, right? I mean, Uh, I don't know if
1: it's, or maybe not the attorney, but,
2: yeah, so if he's cleared by that person, like. I mean, I don't know what else you're going to do.
1: Well, you know, city attorneys hired to make sure that uh, the council members and the city don't fall into legal issues. They don't fall into legal yeah. limbo. And so when yeah. the city attorney says it's okay, I mean, that's kind of the authority with the city. So, yeah.
2: To be fair, there have been some legally questionable memos written to justify some things in our it- history. Uh, <laughs> not that this is that, but uh, <laughs> an attorney writing a memo, I think we should all... Uh, Take at least a mild grain of salt at times.
0: <laughs> yeah, do you, you know, do um, you like the controversy? Is the controversy something that you feel can drive a conversation on these issues, or because I remember earlier you said you were trying to eschew the the more the kind of, you know, hit pieces, but obviously there's a great deal of journalism that involves, you know, critiquing and, and, and excavating the truth.
1: Well, you know, uh, the controversy I mean, I'm not a huge fan of uh, being controversial or anything like that. But, you know, I I think that you have to have some controversy sometimes to get conversations started. And, um, you know, conversations over things like this, what I'm really happy about is the fact that more people are getting involved in city government. Uh, People are actually watching this kind of story. Maybe they'll be a little bit more informed about what's going on in the city. And that's the big thing. We try to make sure it wasn't a hit piece or anything like that on Kelly James or... Uh, anything like that and so we, we tried to avoid that we tried to make sure it wasn't it didn't come off too one-sided for anybody and uh you know it's unfortunate that mr james did not give us a quote because um it did look like it's more of an editorial for mr Merkitt since we didn't have a quote from mr james but mr james did have a chance to respond so
2: so so i want to take us in a little bit different direction after that because that's very interesting as far as national controversies or like, or de- different ways to see it. You know, you're getting to cover local news, but nationally, it's the president, it's Trump, it's very little else. I mean, there's other stuff maybe going on, but I imagine that me and Darwin's coverage in LA and DC is wildly different, They're not wild, very different from Amarillo. And I kind of like to, you know, get your perspective over the last two years and now the early days of like, how do you balance a national story that big? Does it hit your local paper? You know what was what was Trump like, and is he like for your for, from your for your paper in our town?
1: Well, you know I'll tell you, um, a lot of the press that you're getting over uh, Mr. Trump here and Amarillo is Associated Press things like that, and mm-hmm. so we're we're really not getting anything organic over that. And I would love okay. if we did, but we're we're just not. And uh, you know, the old pioneer is more focused on local stuff, and so we try to avoid things like that. And so I really wish we, we did have some different kind of news coverage. We're probably getting uh, similar coverage uh, to what you have. Um, okay, so there's... Speaking okay. to
0: that, there, there's there's a obvious... Um, there's, a, there's a change in tone. There's a change in the air in terms of the way we're all relating to one another in the political arena. So even if you're not specifically covering Trump and the storylines that he's generating, are you noticing any difference in... The capacity of the locals to be able to engage civically with one another, because it's seeming like we're growing further and further away from being able to actually contain, like you know, have constructive dialogue.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, um, here in Amarillo, I'll tell you, uh, this is a this is a Trump town. This is where
2: uh, Trump won a large percentage of vote. Uh, shocking. He won, he won a lot of votes in Amarillo. Well, I'm, I'm, from, was... I, I'm from I mean, look, I, there were a lot of Obama supporters for our town, but 30% is not 50. So,
1: uh. Yeah, you know, it was 70, 80% for, uh, yeah, Trump. for and Trump. so, I mean, yeah. read that whatever way you want to.
2: Uh, <laughs> no, he, yeah, it's in his town.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, the thing is, is, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this, I really don't think it's had that much effect on Amarillo as much as other places. We, have, we, we didn't have any kind of riots or anything like that after uh, Mr. Trump was, after uh, he was called the winner. Uh, there was some disappointment and that kind of thing through certain circles. Um, and, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. We did cover that a little bit. There was a, um, a
2: women's march here. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. My stepmom went to that, uh, went to the, the one in Amarillo. How was that?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I didn't actually get to go cover it or anything like that. Um, I, I did get a press release, that kind of thing. We put that out in the paper because I was chasing some other story that day. Um, mm-hmm. and the thing is, I mean, that happened. There were a lot of people out there for it. There was, It was disrepresentation, representation, but, I mean, at the same time, you know, I think that the political dialogue in Amarillo has been pretty civil when it comes to national things because we have, you can have the women's march and things like that, and it doesn't get too problematic or anything like that. But then you also have the Republicans on this side who are doing the uh, the Republican Leadership Initiative meetings, where they're going to meet once a month at a barbecue restaurant. They're going to sit there, and they're going to hear from speakers. And so I think the political dialogue is civil uh, as far as when it comes to national. I was was talking about this with with someone else the other day. It really seems like it's more divisive whenever you talk about local politics than when you talk about national politics in Amarillo.
2: Okay. (laughs) What's the most divisive? That's probably good. Like, a focus inward and not on the country. I mean, other than I'm sure there might be some defense contracts coming the Panhandle's way at some point. Like, what's the most divisive thing in Amarillo?
1: Uh, can you repeat the question? Sorry.
2: What's the most divisive thing in Amarillo? What's the most divisive topic? Like, if uh, you just had to be like, yeah, well, what, what gets people's tackles up?
1: Let me ask you. When was the uh, when was the last time that you you actually lived in Amarillo?
2: Um, I moved in two thousand and nine, and I'm coming back in, in sometime in the summer or fall. So early. Did you, so, any,
1: did you hear anything about the MPEV when you lived here?
2: The impact, uh, m- say that again? The M what? Impact, That's not. The
1: MPEV.
2: Uh, no. So I, the, oh, yeah, the musical bond. Yeah, I followed that from afar. That was fun. You guys yeah. got the national news. It was a circus.
1: Yeah, I'll, uh, okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll kind of go into this a little bit if you if you want me to. Oh, uh,
2: yeah, 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 please.
1: Oh, definitely. So we had a an Alexa back in... May of 2015, where there was a lot of uh, discomfort about the way that the city was heading. A lot of people were not very happy with the way the city was heading. I mean, we were one of those. We weren't really uh, happy with the incumbents. And so city voters went out, and they voted in uh, Councilman Burkett for City Council Place 3. They voted in Councilman Demerson for Place 1, and they voted in uh, Mark Nair for Council Place 4. And they were all promising to change things here in Amarillo, and I, I think that um, Councilman Burkett especially has delivered on that. But one of the things they brought was they wanted a a full citywide election over what they were calling the multi-purpose event venue, which was basically a downtown baseball stadium. Uh, the people who had been in office prior to them—I mean, there were still two of them there—but the the quorum prior to that had supported the stadium for a, um, as basically the center point of a uh, downtown economic boom. That's what they were hoping for. And so, they uh, they had the vote. It was really contentious. Uh, we had all kinds of nasty things happen here, and in the end it was 800 votes and over the majority for building the stadium. And so, That passed, and we've kind of moved forward with that. And then after that, we also had a bond election this last November uh, that was over seven municipal bonds for street improvements, things like that. And that was a very, very divisive election as well. Uh, In the end, five of the seven bonds failed. And so there were two really big opposites on the voting results in both those elections, but both of those were very, very contentious for the people who live here.
2: Okay. I mean, and that's, and with the, which ones, which ones passed and which ones failed as far as the bonds go? Um, I know that, I mean, if you remember properly, I I know some of like the, at least the most important ones passed, like some of the deeper infrastructure passed, if I'm correct, but some of the more frivolous stuff didn't.
1: Well, you know, uh, I'll just, if, I mean, full disclosure, I was part of the, uh, the political acts committee that opposed the seven
2: proposition. Right, um, but I mean, yeah. you got five for you got five for seven, so that's pretty good. But if the two that passed weren't that bad, or <laughs> that if I remember that properly, I don't know. Uh, yeah, well, well, you know, we we opposed all seven because
1: we said that there were needs mixed in with once uh, there were things that Emerald actually needed mixed in with things that were just triple of spending. Uh, but the okay. two that passed were it was basically a broad. Uh, a broad collection of items. One of them fit under streets and the other one fit under public safety.
2: Okay. And so if they were to pass the actual infrastructure that we might need in Amarillo, like, how should those bonds look? Like I actually, I mean like, I mean, like, I'm supposedly a lefty liberal Democrat from the coast so we're pretty used to spending more money than we have. Um, but eventually Amarillo is gonna have to have infrastructure what does it look like? How do we do that conservatively? Were there alternatives brought up? Like well, what did it look were, like?
1: There were some major alternatives that we talked about. A big, a big alternative was uh, we talked about going through, actually going through the budget because there's, there's money set aside in certain places in the budget. There's actually an item in the budget. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's 26 million in the city budget that is labeled for, uh, they just call it special revenues. And what that basically sets as is uh, petty cash. And so that that could have been utilized to pay for certain things, and then also several streets were already budgeted. A lot of streets get repaired, but the problem is, we well, can ask, why are these streets, why are the repairs so badly needed? Whenever we already have it budgeted, they should have been pushed to the front of the line on the streets that needed to be repaired. If the the needs were, or if the repairs were needed that bad, and so that's that's a big reason we oppose the. Um, to the streets, and that's that's really kind of what we talked about was you could do it through what's already in the budget. Now, in a lot of the recreation things and things like that, it could be done through grants. If there's numbers from the Cato Institute, if you actually go back and look where uh, money came from grants for very similar projects that other cities did, and so we could have done it like that. And that that's where a lot of the um, the alternative was
2: to the spending. Okay. That's interesting. And what were the
0: arguments for the infrastructure? I, I You know, for, as an out-of-towner, because I haven't lived in Amarillo, you know, in, I, I went off to college 2004, and I really haven't returned for an extended length of time since, you know, maybe for a month or two here or there. But so, the, you know, my connection to Amarillo politics is very, very distant at this point. I'm curious... When you talk about infrastructure, what's the broader issue that people are hoping for? Is there a sense that, with a with a robust infrastructure investment, the Amarillo will have a change of fortunes in some sector?
1: Well, uh, you know, I'll tell you, uh, in North Amarillo, especially, you know, the infrastructure really is just bad there, and it's because uh, many city officials have neglected the north side for too long. Um, and, I, I mean, you can, there's several answers that you could say for why it's like that. Um, the yeah. thing is, is, you know, streets aren't great over there, that kind of thing. And those streets do need to be repaired, but they should be pushed to the front of the line. Not, the people who supported the propositions, I mean, they're not bad people. We just, we just disagree on, uh, you know, this, this issue. And, uh, you know, it's people who are typically, uh, they may be on one side with each other, you know, like, uh, there's some people who supported the the propositions who were against the uh, baseball stadium, and you know, vice versa, they flipped over for things like that. And yeah. so, it, it it's really it was really kind of an interesting dynamic. Uh, a lot of it was about how Amarillo just needs to make an investment in itself uh, because that's an investment we're going to need for the future, and that's that's what a lot of the uh, supporting arguments for the proposition right. were.
2: That's where I'd be at, I think, more or less. Like. At least the smartest way. I don't think you can get out of. And if, that's me not knowing all the issues. Yeah, that you way. know, that, that's that's really what the
1: argument was. And I mean, you know, it's it was up to the voters ultimately. And I think both campaigns did a uh, did a really good job of articulating their points. And mm-hmm. uh, I think both both groups had good spokespeople. I mean, they um, they both did what they were supposed to do. And in the end, the voters chose.
2: Yeah. I and mean, that's that's I and mean, that's actually a thing I think that's probably to take from it is that like the election happened and that it's going to stand like it you know two of five are going through the other five aren't and like we're still a city right like yeah and with the MPV it sounds like a little microcosm of the national election uh only arguably reverse sides of when I mean I don't know however you want to frame who is on either side of that one but
0: yeah I have a, like, you know, something that pops up. You know, the national dialogue about virtually anything that we argue about is way, like, it's, it's taking place against the fact, I think, that almost all of us are living in news bubbles where we we have our Facebook feeds and we unfollow or unfriend people who we disagree with. And, and so we're really only listening to arguments that validate our own. Do you feel that there is a similar set of bubbles in local politics where do you have friends or people that you know and respect that disagree with you on this issue that you engage with in a constructive way or do you, and not just you, but in general do you feel like people kind of section themselves off along these issues as well?
1: Oh, you know, definitely. Uh, You know, there's. it's kind of like we were talking about earlier there's really news sources that view all different ways and I mean you know, take it whatever way you want to. Um, and also, you know, I think Facebook has really become the news source here in Amarillo, and I think that's kind of why the Pioneers has been successful. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people, they watch Facebook for their news, and so they, they get whatever perspective they're going to see on there. And, uh, you know, there's Facebook groups here that are made really just exclusively for local politics. And what you see in, what, in those groups, or you see um, arguments and that kind of thing, between people of both sides, and I, I, you see people sticking together on those issues and that kind of thing. And I, I do think that there is some cohesiveness with that, but I really don't think that the local issues here have been quite as bad as they they've been nationally, um, because you know, when you when you look at it, I had I had friends this last election or I guess two elections ago that were. Supporters of the uh, the Multipurpose Event Center And uh, I, I guess I was on the opposite end But we still came together We were still friendly about it And once the votes were cast I mean we're all going to stick together as a city Because that's what we do
0: Yeah. So uh... in terms of, of these Kind of political issues How does Amarillo College Fit into the story Of the city
1: Well you know Amarillo College it's It's really um, one of the key points here in Amarillo. It's one of the most important uh, community pillars here. And the reason why, I mean, I I don't really have the percentage in front of me, but if you could guess, I mean, I'd figure it'd probably be over half the community here who's attended college because they've gone through Amarillo College.
2: Uh, right, it's so a little less than that because I think WT has half. Well, maybe Amarillo because WT has like half the Panhandle. They have the highest per well. Yeah, there was some weird percentage about that. So AC may have higher than Amarillo, but WT's was the biggest for the Panhandle total. So I'm guessing it's close.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, not, not, just, not just going through to get an associate's degree or something like that, but you know, yeah, for, yeah. also participating in um, the the personal enrichment classes and those True. kinds of things. Uh, oh, yeah. So every, everybody's really taken something in Emerald College. I'm taking courses through Emerald College right now. Um, and so there are a lot of people who have taken classes through Emerald College. They're, they're involved with Emerald College. And Emerald College really plays that role that's very key because they educate the community. They provide entertainment. They provide enrichment for the community. But then also they're a taxing entity. And so when we look at the tax rate, well, whatever you pay in tax bills, part of it's going to Emerald College. And so I, I don't think a lot of people actually understand that it's on their tax bill here in town. Uh, but so Emerald College, you're, you're paying your taxes there. You pay tuition there if you attend classes. And a lot of people go there for different courses and that kind of thing. And so everybody's really tied to Emerald College, even if they really don't expect they are. Um, and that, that's really one of the big reasons that I got involved in running with Emerald College. I started attending the Board of Regents meetings and decided to run for Emerald College Board is because Emerald College, they provide really unique opportunities here in the community. Everyone should be able to take advantage of those, but also we need to make sure that
2: taxes and those kinds of things are under control because those affect everybody. Yeah. Do you, so I guess, uh, do you have anything in like the budget that you're trying to cut or programs you'd like to see added? You know, what's the, is there a proactive vision for it or you just think that you know this is the thing i'd like to be involved in learning and growing as necessary like how do you view you know your agenda with the uh, with the board of regents
1: hey, you know i think that my agenda really is going to fit up pretty much like a puzzle piece with the board of regents i think it's going to click together really easily and that is because the board of regents their main goal is really to move the college forward and to make sure that we do so in uh, educating students and promoting academic success and that kind of thing. And that's one of the big points of my platform. Is we promote academic success, but we also have to be fiscally responsible. And uh, fiscal responsibility, I had a conversation with Dr. Larry Hart, the president of Emerald College, and uh, that's something that he's committed to, and that's something that we should hold true to, is uh, making sure that we that we maintain fiscal responsibility. And that's that's really one of the big things I'm doing. I, I really can't say there's anything in the budget necessarily that I would like to cut, uh, but there okay. have been decisions I've disagreed with the Board of Regents on. For and, example? Uh, uh For example, I'm not really uh, supportive of the vote they took recently to approve joining the uh, East Gateway Tax Increment Reinvestment Zone. Uh, okay. And I, it's not that I'm against the... East Gateway tiers, as they call it. Uh, what I am against, though, is I'm against the percentage they went in to the tiers with, because what they basically did was they went in at the tiers for 100%. They gave away 100% of new funding for 30 years to the city. And when Emerald oh. College, when budget cuts loom and that kind of thing, that's that's just a, that's poor just,
2: uh, fiscal responsibility. Oh, so they just gave their budget to the city? Part of their budget to the city?
1: Uh, for, for capital improvements in, uh the eastern part of Amarillo.
2: So, in theory, it'll go to help everything around the campus get prettier and better. But if they need the money for themselves, they're screwed.
1: That that
2: well, I mean that
1: yeah, you know, uh, when budget cuts loom and that kind of thing, and they they've happened, um, that's yeah. that's really something they need to take into consideration. And I really don't feel like the region took that into consideration as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also the fact it was a nine-zero vote and so oh. th- there was there was no dissent to that there really weren't any questions and so uh, I'm just not really happy with that decision that's really one of the big ones that spurred me into running and it's not that I don't think that the uh, college should be involved with um, helping support the community and being involved with capital improvements that's not my problem what my problem is is that the college should not have gone in at 100 percent I would have been happy right. if the college had gone in a lower percentage
2: that's well, that seems reasonable, not really understanding all the percentages, but that's a seems like a reasonable reason for someone to get involved in yeah, their college I, that's I, awesome. I,
0: I I acknowledge you for being involved in local politics period I mean we all, I don't know if you Matt told you or you listened to it, but we just had an episode about why our generation you know doesn't care about local politics anymore, and I think that that's something that is to your credit, when you talk about percentages of whether you know, like like when you when you when you drive into the details here, it, it brings the decision making closer to the home, closer to home. And my question is, what would you say to someone who doesn't know, like myself for instance, but even if I lived in Amarillo and didn't know any of these issues, you know, how do I start going about caring about these issues?
1: Well, you know, that's That's really an incredible question. I'll tell you, um, my first public meeting I ever attended, I attended it when I was 10 years old. My dad took me to a city council meeting when Deborah McCart was still mayor. And uh, we sat in the back and watched, and I I didn't know what was going on. (laughs) You know, I mean, you got a 10 year old kid in there, he's more interested in other things. Um, But I mean, I watched the meeting and really didn't think much about it and all that kind of thing. And I had heard some people talk about local politics, but you know, at that time, what were you hearing about? You are hearing about, uh, oh, you know, Obama, and later you hear about Romney. And so it takes, a, it takes a focus off local politics. Well, why should I care about local politics? That kind of thing. When I really got back into local politics, when I really got involved, um, I guess it was about two or three years ago, it was really because I just kind of watched the way the community was going, and I thought, you know, that's, this isn't right. Um, I don't agree with these decisions. I don't agree with the way the city's headed, and so I need to get involved. If I want to make a change, I have to get involved because really local politics affects you just as much, if not more, than national politics too. And uh, they, they overlap right into county politics and into state politics. And so all of that is intertwined into each other. And so everyone should really have a, an interest in what's going on in your community because what's going on in your community, that could be the next thing that's happening nationwide. So you need to be on watch, and you need to make sure that uh, you just have an idea. Even if you're not completely involved with it, you need to have an idea of what's going on in your community so you can make uh, you can make rational decisions about what you think the direction of your city, your county, things like that should be.
2: That's awesome.
0: I have one last question, and then I have to hop off. But, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you know, given that you are interested in local politics and that you are also driving a media publication, how do we build trust across political lines in the media? Because that's one of the most pressing issues right now, that we are all sourcing our media from places that confirm rather than challenge. You seem like you're actually driving into these issues, really trying to be balanced. How do we build trust?
1: Well, I mean, just trust with media in general on issues. Uh, you know, it's it's really a tough question to think about because you have people who, they, they go to the media and they really they really just digest what the media is handing them and they really don't think about it. And people really need to get involved in thinking about, well, you know, what's, what am I actually hearing? Because I think people are actually hearing those kinds of things and thinking... The issues through thinking the stories through, they they'd make decisions uh, about what the the directions of their their governments or uh, what's going on with the community, that kind of thing. And uh, I think people really need to be able to challenge that. What's that mean? Well, if you think the reporter's wrong or that kind of thing, go do your own research on it. Uh, and that's that's kind of what I tell people about my articles. I mean, don't don't take me for my word as anything. Uh, that was that was the discussion we had recently. Uh, we had a restaurant here in town that closed uh, just unexpectedly it closed unexpectedly and um, it happened right after a, a health inspection report there was it was a failing health inspection report and so we we talked about it and it we didn't know if the restaurant closed because of that well I said in the article I said well it followed the health inspection report well some people challenged me over that because they said you're trying to say that it closed because of the health inspection report. I said, I'm not saying that it closed because of the failing health report. What I'm saying is, is the report happened. And um, in the end, the report did happen. I don't think that's the reason it closed. I think it was a change in management or something like that. Uh, But I'm just happy that people were willing to challenge me on that because that just shows that people are digesting what you're handing them and they're they're thinking about it. Uh, They're saying, well, you know, well, maybe they're wrong on this. Well, if they're wrong, let's let's talk about it. That's the dialogue that needs to happen between uh, media and uh, the
2: viewers. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Thank you, Thomas. I appreciate it. We're glad to have you on Lofty Darwinism, and I hope we get to have you again.
0: Thank you, Thomas. Well, thank you very much for for having me.
2: Uh, well, we will do uh, next time. Appreciate it, Lofty Darwinism.
0: Lofty Darwinism, everyone.